we have a great subscription offer for all our listeners. Subscribe to our digital edition for 12 months for just $24.99. That's six issues of our award-winning magazine delivered to your inbox for less than $4.20 an issue. Only $24.99 for a full year. So don't wait. To subscribe, go to australiangeographic.com.au forward slash talking Australia. That's australiangeographic.com.au forward slash talking Australia. Hi, I'm Angela Heathcote and this is Talking Australia, a podcast by Australian Geographic. This episode, I'm talking to Leela Jeffries. Leela is a fine art photographer famous for her Australian bird portraits. Her photographs are like nothing you've seen before. Taking portraits in a studio gives her the ability to capture incredible detail, which is totally unique. So I can't wait to burn it out with Leela today on this episode of Talking Australia. Thank you so much for coming into the office today. No, thank you for having me. Now, I'm really excited to chat to you about your bird photography, how you got there. And so first off, I want to ask you, what came first, your love for birds and nature or photography? That's a really good question. Uh, Actually, love for birds and nature came first because it started from childhood and photography was an interest that started very early on uh, but wouldn't have been till I was sort of 15, I suppose, you know, and then so a young teenager and then going into adulthood. Mm. And what were your interactions with nature as a young girl? I was, look, I feel like I had a really charmed like, upbringing. My dad particularly loved nature, loved wild places wasn't a fan of cities. So it meant that uh, my child was always being pulled out to go camping and bushwalking and rock climbing and a lot of travel. My dad uh, met my mum in India. My mum's Indian. Uh, we lived in a place called Nasrapur in India, which I've always described as my jungle book years, um, which was incredible, really surrounded by wildlife everywhere. Um, so yeah, it just feels like that had a huge part to play with what I do now. And what year did photography come into your life? So, so you know, 15 was probably when I first picked up a camera and, you know, wanted to learn how to take photos. And my dad always had a camera on him, so he was a great sort of novice photographer. Um, but what really happened was I didn't really know... I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was lost for many, many years. Uh, I worked in record shops. I was really interested in music. I, I just travelled a bit. Uh, but I always had a camera with me and I was always taking photos. And that sort of, there was a point where I was like, right, now I need to get really serious about what I want to be. You know, it's like, I want to be a photographer. So I went and um, to, did a course at Ultimo TAFE in Sydney. I got into a photography course there and studied it thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to work as a professional photographer. Did the course, went, okay, here I go. And, and because I loved music, I was photographing bands and, and doing that sort of work. Um, but realised that I hated it. I really, absolutely could not bear taking photos for other people. Every time I had to do it, 
I was um, I was anxious, always felt like my work disappointed me, always felt like it was never good enough. I had to turn it around so fast. I had to, you know, it was, you know, churn and burn is kind of the way you work when you work as a commercial photographer. So uh, I gave up, put it aside, went, you know, that's, 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 I can't do it. Uh, and I became a photo editor. So for a long time, I worked as a photo editor, which was sort of a sidestep, still involved in photography. And, um, but I never really let go of my passion and my love of taking photos. And so, you know, I was a bit of a bird watcher. I had that kind of love happening in the background that I kept very secret. Uh, but there was this sort of moment where I had this idea to photograph portraits of birds and, and it was never for anybody to see it. You know, it was only ever for me. It was just a creative project because I craved doing creative things. And that was the beginning of me um, kind of just organically ending up where I am today. You know, I never ever thought this would be how I make my living. Uh, it was just that real thing of just doing something that just I had this crazy passion and craving to do. Mm. And I was reading the cover story, um, the Australian Geographic cover story from a little while ago, and you mentioned that um, field trip to Christmas Island and how that was kind of a game changer. Can you go into that? That was huge. I mean, that was, you know, if you talk about in your life where you have these sort of light bulb moments where something really profound happens to you, and, and maybe it's only ever happened a couple of times in my life, that was one of them. And, and that was because uh, Christmas Island does this beautiful bird and nature week. It's, a, it's, this, it's actually incredible. They, they, they fly in uh, some of the world's, or Australia particularly, best ecologists um, and people like Tim Lowe, who I particularly love. And, you know, all the bird watchers come in and you spend your, your weeks doing field trips. You get to work with scientists and tag you know, seabirds. That sounds like my kind of trip. Uh, it was incredible. And and I think access to the kind of people that are in the field doing the work and learning from them was kind of where my mind just, you know, blew. I was like, oh, this is incredible. Like I, I know I've always loved being a nature lover, but but this level of information about the wildlife that live there, about the ecology, how the trees got to be there, all that stuff really clicked. And, and I was bird watching with, with my friends and it was that moment of looking through the binoculars and thinking, you know, these birds are so spectacular and they're so beautiful. I cannot understand why every single human on the planet isn't obsessed with them, you know. And that was that moment of going, well, it's because they are up high in trees or out to sea they're sort of they're hidden they're amongst foliage they're not they're fleeting they're fast moving you know you don't get the opportunity to study them up close in the sort of detail that we do when we look through binoculars so that was sort of this light bulb moment where I just went and that's this personal project I talked about where I was like I really want to try and capture something like that that takes away all the dis distracting elements and focuses purely on the subject so that's kind of where it started. You went from calling yourself a photographer to a fine art photographer and then in the ABC documentary that recently aired about your work, you called yourself an artist. Can you map out those differences for us? Really good question and really um, interesting because it took me years to make that transition. So uh, when I would call myself a photographer, it's because that's how I trained to be. And I guess that um, 
I thought that what I was doing was was taking portraits and and it was um, a very how do you explain it? It was just a very simple photographic method. But but what started to happen was my projects were taking me years to complete. They weren't, and I wasn't going out there and doing one photo shoot of one particular bird and coming home and going through my photos and ticking, that's the one, and, you know, press print. It became this um, kind of line of inquiry into a particular species group that I might have been working on where there was so much depth and study into that and and there was a relationship building up between me and the birds as I got to know them. And it, it started to it sort of became a sort of a deeper uh, project I suppose and 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 because everything slowed down it wasn't like a fast pace which is what I talked about when I was working as a photographer you know photographing people that's a photographer and I and I and that's when I realized that's not me I can't do that I tried so hard but it's just it, it just didn't sit right with me. I'm really slow working. My pace is and it's it's to my detriment. You know, it can take me four years to complete one exhibition, um, but it's that level of depth that I go to, and it's the um, uh, sort of the emotional journey ride that I go on when I work with the portraiture that made me realise this is actually shifting more into an art context. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then you know. I've also, I guess, started to work with flocks of birds in trees and that's moving into more of a conceptual art um, process where, you know, I, I observed how, uh, you know, flocks of green birds look, have evolved to sort of look like leaves on a tree and, and I had this beautiful, well, I thought it was a beautiful idea of this symbiotic relationship between birds and trees and how they need each other for survival and how can I communicate that in an artistic way. Uh, so that's where the work started to move more towards art and, and not not just sort of straight on mm. photography. I wanted to go back to something you said before about how you were on Christmas Island and you observed the birds and you thought, oh, how amazing would it be to capture this without all the, the mm. busyness? And I guess that's what makes your photograph so unique is that it's just a bird against, you know, a white background, a very clear background. Mm. I'm wondering about your first attempt at trying to do that because in my head I'm like, it sounds like a beautiful idea, but I can just think of all these challenges that would arise by getting a bird into that scenario. So can you take us back to the first time you tried to I guess, execute that idea. I absolutely can. And you know what? I had this idea and I don't know when I'd ever have the time to do this, but I almost, you know, you when you look at a family tree and you have a person's name and then it branches out to five other people and that branches out to 20 people. That's the same as the thought process that goes through what I, to, to get to where I am now. It's almost like that, exactly what you said. I had the idea and then it was, how the hell am I going to achieve it? And one question raised five questions, which raised 20 questions, which raised 100 questions. And I, I'd love to visually show that one day to say, you know, the making of art is is this, you know, because it's crazy. We're talking thousands of decisions have to be made to finally work out how to do what you do. And um, when I started at the very beginning, it was uh, the, the first thing was I wanted to work with budgerigars because these were tame budgerigars because again it's like I don't really know what I can do with wildlife but I could work with budgerigars because they're tame I know them I had them as kids I've got I understand you know their behavior but then it was also um this beautiful man called Warren Wilson and he's a he was a president um of one of the sort of budgerigar clubs in in New South Wales and I 
and I went and spoke to him. He's like a you know silver-haired retiree, quiff, short shorts, <laughs> socks. You Your know, average bird so watcher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's awesome guy, and and um, he's such a wonderful man because I told him about my idea, and and he had budgies, and I said, listen, would you help me? And so we just talked about them and and came up with this kind of idea, which I sort of call my mini bird studio, which was this idea where you think of a photographer's studio, but you shrink it down to bird size. And, you know, in a studio, you would have a little paper roll. So I had a very pale grey paper roll. You'd have a chair, but instead I'd have a perch, have a little bit of catering. So, you know, we put some seed and water in there. <laughs> and I had like little perspex sides so that I could light it, you know, from the outside. And then it was a, a, a black cloth with sort of like a little hole to put the camera through. Um, and then a process of the birds getting used to it because that's so important. The birds have to be comfortable. If the birds are comfortable, then you can get really beautiful portraits. Yeah, and how, how important are relationships with those birds? Because it's not just the relationship between you and the bird, it's the relationship between them and their carers or people who have rehabilitated them. That's exactly right. So so different for all the different subjects I've worked with. So sometimes it can be me spending time with the bird and there's that relationship and, and there's that trust and, and that's really special. Sometimes it's the, the carers because the carers have this incredible bond with these birds. They're looking after them and the birds respond to them. Um, it's, it can be a mix, but it, it, it's, it is that. It's about finding um, ways for the bird to be as comfortable and, yeah, and, and then working with them. And, and budgies, particularly when they're tame, you know, they're, they're just so easy to work with. So, but there's a lot of um, trial and error even in that design that I came up with with photographing those birds because the camera lens had to, you know, I was working with a particular type of macro lens and my depth of field was quite shallow and my distance from the sub, my lens to my subject had to be a set distance, but the bird sizes varied and then the distance between the subject and the background, because you want the background to sort of drop off in focus, had to be a certain distance. So I was concocting all sorts of different things and, and my dad helped me with that. So my dad, really handy, was helping me make, you know, all these things and, and um, that's kind of how I started. Mm. And going back to someone you mentioned, um, Tim Lowe, you've mm. done a lot of work with him and I know he's actually, he wrote the foreword to Birdland, which is an amazing photographic book that you created. I'm wondering, um, he wrote that amazing book about Australian birds, which really kind of, I guess, made more people appreciate how unique Aussie birds are. So mm. I'm wondering, I guess, why you chose to specifically shoot or photograph, sorry, shoot is not a good word. I know, I have to but, watch it when yeah, I say it myself. Photograph <laughs> Aussie birds. Like what, I mean, why not go overseas and do the birds? of South America or, um, you know, uh, I mean, what draws you to, um, to photographing Australian birds? Yeah, so I think there's a part of me that's always loves the underdog. And, and, I, and what I had noticed was that a lot of Australians would have works on their wall that would be of, I don't know, of American animals. And I just kept thinking, why is it that we're not celebrating our animals? Our animals are amazing. And, and Tim Lowe actually said this. He said that Australians are sort of known for our marsupials, and rightfully so, our marsupials are crazy, but that meant that the birds have taken a bit of a, a you know, a, a backstage, and yet our bird life is phenomenal. And, and when you read Tim Lowe's book, Where Song Began, and you start to understand this, this incredible history of bird life in Australia, it was sort of this kind of fighting part of me that was like, guys, pay attention. Like, we're so, we're so used to birds being also in our everyday life. We're lucky that a lot of them 
obviously most of them not, but a lot of them have still evolved to live amongst us in, in cities. So they're, they're everywhere and they're squawking and they're making a racket and they're causing all sorts of mischief. And, and we just take it for granted. So I think there was this kind of fighting part of me that was trying to make people pay attention and go, this is world-class. You know, we have this incredible environment and I want us to be really proud and I want us to protect, you know, it's, it's a big, that's the other big part of it is, is you kind of want to be a voice for, for them and get people paying attention. We'll be back with our conversation with Leela Jeffries just after this. Subscribe to our AG magazine for six months for just $30 and save 33% on the newsstand price. That's three issues of our award-winning magazine delivered to your home for just $30. So don't wait. Go to www.australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia for our special offer. That's www.australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. We're back with our conversation with Leela Jeffries. Out of all the subjects that you've photographed, have you got a particular favourite or a story behind one that's, you know, a particular favourite? Yeah, it's so, I find this so, I do find it very, very hard to answer. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and it's because all the different species have evolved in different ways, you know. They're not, um, so, so an experience that you will have with a cockatoo can be completely different to an experience you'll have with a welcome swallow. Uh, I had a, an amazing guy called Josh Cook who's a, a wildlife um, rehabilitator. I've done a lot of work with him and his connection with the birds is like, like incredible. He's, he's an extraordinary guy. And, you know, just to give you a couple of small examples, um, he was rehabilitating a satin bird and he was rehabilitating a, a welcome swallow and a woolly wagtail. There's just three birds amongst hundreds that he actually had in care in his home and he never forgets, you know, they, they all need to be fed at different times and regularly and he never forgets. Amazing guy. Anyway, just to give you an example, just one day of working with him, I had this bow bird that um, was so curious about what I was doing and, you know, they were bit obsessed with colour and even though they're obsessed with blue <laughs> it was like obsessed with the red dot this little red dot on my camera and just kept flying over you know and picking at it you know, oh no really oh, interesting. No. yeah I was like I was like oh god okay just gentle um but to be able to be that close and have that bird so interested in me was really fascinating and and so I set up so in the in a lot of my setups are just in an open room you know so and that's because these birds are uh, in care, they're used, they're used to people, so they're, they're quite easy to, to work with. And we did this thing with that particular bird, which I think is a really interesting story. We, so I had the grey paper roll set up, I had the lights and I had a perch. And all um, I did, I was curious to see if I, I knew that they were you know, obviously obsessed with blue and it's often blue plastic things. We got the ring of a blue um, milk bottle top just the the little ring bit not that and we put it on the perch and I was just curious to see what what the bird would do and it was amazing he flew down picked it up held it really proud you know this incredible way and I, I took some photos uh, and that was a really amazing experience because I wanted to highlight the problems with plastic so I had this sort of incredible moment where you know I can I can show the beauty of the bird 
but I've also got a portrait that has sort of uh, an uncomfortableness to it because it, it, there is this bird holding this plastic ring and we all know the dangers, the dangers of that. So that's one really incredible ex experience. But just to mention that same shoot, that same day, while I was shooting, the Welcome Swallow and the Willy Wagtail were playing dodgem, like fighter oh pilots in the house, flying around the house. It was like, it was just so beautiful. And then the Welcome Swallow would come and land on me. And then the Welcome Swallow flew and landed on the perch. I got a portrait of the Welcome Swallow. So, you know, th there's these moments where you just go, oh, what? It's like, this, this is really happening. You know, this is incredible. Mm. And, and it's because, you know, there are these these people and these birds that are just out there that are extraordinary and you get to work with them and you get to have those experiences. I have to say one of my favourites is the sultry-looking portrait of the Kakapo Sirocco. And for those who don't know, Sirocco is probably the most famous endangered bird of New Zealand with a crazy backstory of his own. And I can imagine that must have been a really difficult shoot. That was that was <laughs> probably the hardest shoot I've ever done. Really? Yeah. That... Yeah, I was going to ask... Um, what are some of your more difficult subjects? Like what are okay. kind of the birds that you go, oh, this is going to be a difficult shoot? That was, without a doubt, Sirocco, that particular bird was was incredibly difficult. Um, so difficult because he's so important, you know, critically endangered, um, part of, uh, uh, you know, New Zealand, they're amazing with their conservation work. They've got a crazy um, breeding program going on with the birds. Uh, and they're also just, wonderful people because they're open to ideas and I approached them and said listen I would really love to work um with Sirocco and and what that meant was uh, you wouldn't believe how many conversations because we had to make sure that he was as happy as he could ever be that I didn't put him in, in risk in any kind of way because he was so such an important bird so that meant the most incredible work um in terms of just preparation so I mean I always sterilize all my equipment that's that's normal but you know it was also including washing my hair because of the smell wearing um particular clothes and boots you know it was a huge setup and then it all came down to it was Sirocco's choice whether he wanted to be photographed or not so the way it worked he he lives on an island but he goes on tour every now and then and and it's an amazing place called Zealandia in Wellington if anyone goes there, you've got to check it out. It's it's beautiful wildlife sanctuary. Anyway, there is sort of like a, a feeding room for Sirocco where he comes into, he's a nocturnal bird, comes into at night time and people could come and view him through the glass and, and, and it's a really important way for people to be able to connect and see this really important bird. So for me to be able to photograph him, I I had to set up around a tree stump in this particular room that and hope that he would decide to climb on that tree stump and, um, you know, eat the leaves that he likes to eat. And I couldn't control that in any way. If he didn't want to do it, he didn't do it. But the problem is that I live in Sydney, you know, I the cost to fly there, the, 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 it's like your risk is so high, you just don't know, you know. But, but I was so determined that I wanted to just try and um, his care at the time was a girl called Alicia. And I always joke, she was, she was like, his, so funny. He had his own mobile phone number. That's how important he was. And she had to answer his calls. So That's fantastic. It was, it was amazing. I feel like I was photographing. He's in demand. He's in demand. I feel like I was photographing the Prime Minister of, of New Zealand. He was so special. But um, I set everything up and 
I was, and of course the shoot was at night time, he's nocturnal, you know, I had to work with him. And there's a little door that he comes through when he wants to feed and then he goes out and he's in this amazing big, you know, um, natural landscape. Anyway, um, I set up, but I was so nervous. I've never been more nervous about a shoot because I think um, for me it was so much was riding on it. It was so important to capture what I really wanted to capture. And, and he came in and he took one look at me and he was like, shake his head, turn around and walk straight back out. And he just, he just went, no way. And I, I remember my heart sinking and just going, oh, what have I done? You know, there was this crazy point of me going, like me, like me, like me, please like me. <laughs> and then what happened was it was almost the best thing that could have happened because it just made me let go of all the anticipation and the anxiety. I just went, listen, I can't control this. I just have to give into it. And so I just instantly my emotional state changed. I was no longer feeling anxious. I was no longer building this up to be this huge thing. I just completely went, it is what it is. And Alicia and I started talking and laughing and chatting. And parrots can be quite social and curious, you know. And and I... My feeling is that the, 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 that the feeling in the room changed, you know, it wasn't a tense feeling. And that's probably why, I mean, it's my own personal feeling, is that he came back in and just we kept talking, kept, you know, ignoring him. He kind of ignored me, you know, but happened to be just getting closer and closer and was a bit curious and walking here and then going there, you know, and then finally he walked up and um, started doing his thing and it was it happened. But that's a really good example of, like, the process that you can go through. And, and, and I probably hadn't mentioned that I'd spent a few weeks doing... Um, I was a volunteer in one of their breeding programs, so I'd kind of worked with... Right, right. W- w- so I got to understand a lot about the birds as yeah. well. And jumping off that, Australia has something like 67 endangered bird species. So I'm wondering, how does it feel to be up close with birds that may go extinct this century, like the Plains Wanderer? Yeah, it's um, it's really important, I think, that what I do is I work with the people that are doing incredible work for wildlife. So when I work with a really important bird, I'd say the Plains Wanderer, Taronga Zoo have got this incredible program at the moment and I've photographed actually personally what I think one of my best portraits of a Plains Wanderer I I cannot tell you how much I love it I haven't released it yet it's just sitting there because you know we try and find works that I can show together and 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 it would be a dream to do maybe an endangered birds show you know I I don't know yet but um the responsibility to capture something that I think will grab people by their hearts to care is is what drives me and and why um, I love doing what I do, but also uh, knowing that, you know, humans are dominating this planet, you know, it's out of control to the point that we're pushing too much to extinction. Um, but I, I always focus on the good things that are happening because you would be amazed what people are doing and the people, so in Tronga Zoo, the people that are working there, they are they are just the best people and they need to be celebrated and we need to shift our focus away from the fear and towards the the, the goodness that's happening um, because that, I think, brings us to act. It, that, that That's kind of the part of what 
what makes humans great is that we have this ability to really have compassion and care. And so I, I, I always work and I always keep that at the back of my mind all the time. It's like my job here is to try and connect this bird with people, with the general public, but also to let let them know, you know, I, I want to be a counter to to all the, the negative stories that we hear because I worry that that makes people give up. You know, mm. it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't inspire us to act. Maybe it does, maybe it does for some people, but I, my, my personal approach is uh, just to get people to really, you know, want to change their ways because they care and they, they love these creatures. Mm. And I want to go back to, um, you know, we mentioned the ABC documentary very appropriately titled The Bird Nerd. <laughs> um, in that, they're following you to your first New York show, mm. um, if I'm correct. Yes, first New York show. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, I guess I was wondering what were some of your fears in exhibiting there because I know were you thinking, oh, Australian birds, is this going to land there? Like will they get it? Is it going to be appreciated as much as it is in Australia? Um, could you go into that? Yeah, absolutely. It was – I reckon it was probably the most stressed I've ever been in my life. It looked like it. It, looked like it. <laughs> it was a really hard show to – to um, pull together as well because it was going to a, a country, into another city. I hadn't been to the gallery before, so I hadn't actually even seen the rooms. I was trying to work out how I was going to hang the show. Um, I had the most insane deadline and yet I was still waiting for different species to come into care, you know, because that show was primarily a show on native doves and pigeons, you know, and, and there was this point of me going, oh, my goodness, what are they going to, you know, because New York... Um, I guess they think of the pigeon as this grey city bird and and I was like, I hope that they, they will get this, you know, that, that a pigeon, don't dismiss it. They can be incredible. These rainforest species are so colourful and beautiful. Um, and I, I, I had an inner belief, which I think I've always had, is that our birds are amazing and you guys need to appreciate it. Um, so... I guess I didn't know how they were going to react and I guess that's where all the nervousness came from. Um, but, you know, the way it was appreciated when I got there was just the best and it was just that kind of spurred me on to sort of go, see, you know, our birds are amazing. I told you so. You know, everybody, look what they say even in New York. The pigeon choice was so strategic. I hadn't really thought about that, that they would be very much thinking about pigeons in, in this grey kind of fashion, but they don't know the rainforest pigeons of Australia. That's it. And, and you know, I worked with Tim Lowe. He wrote the most insanely amazing essay on pigeons. It's called Pigeons Matter, which, I, which was for part of that show. And that was really fun because that was this moment of kind of because I think what I try to do is I try to get people, you know, thinking things that they might not have thought of before. And that was this moment of visually look at this bird. It's extraordinary. It's beautiful. And then read this because Tim Lowe is such an amazing um, writer. Read this incredible essay about these birds. And, um, and you know, he tied in. I mean, in one part of the essay, he even just talked about, the you know, the homingness of homing pigeons, how fascinating that is. And he gave an example of how they've anaesthetised the pigeon, put it on a rotating turntable in a metallic box, flown it to the other side of the world, let it go, and it's found its way back. You know, So crazy. It's insane. So the more you learn, you know, it's why we all love David Attenborough. The more you learn about wildlife, the more you just go, what? Mm. These guys are incredible. Yeah, and obviously you have your new exhibition coming up at the Olsen Gallery called mm. High Society, and it's all about budgies, which makes me super excited. <laughs> Why budgies? 
So I feel like I've come full circle because it's been 10 years. <laughs> so 10 years ago was when I started and 10 years ago was when I picked Badrigars as my, my first subject. And um, the reason why I worked with them again was because I had this idea that I wanted to work with flocks of birds in trees. And I, I built a sort of temporary aviary that was kind of 10 metres by 4 metres by 3 metres in a giant photographer's studio. And I knew that this was, again breaking new ground, doing something very technical, very difficult. And so I'd need to work with birds that were tame and birds that I knew. So so the budgie came back, you know, and um, it was really uh, fun because I got to do portraiture with them. But I also, it's almost like they're my, my litmus test for future projects because they are so um, sweet to work with. They're so tame and gentle and and just chatty and social and fun. So I also f tried photographing couples and and I photographed one family group and I cannot tell you it was like the most exciting thing for me because I've always wanted to photograph just not just a single portrait but to find pairs. And they, the the way, the from a technical point of view, my depth of field is very, very shallow when I'm photographing these birds because I'm working it with a macro lens. So if, if you photograph birds where one is pulling back and the other one's forward, then they're never in focus. So they needed to be almost kissing. You know, they needed to be so cheek to cheek. Um, and so there was a lot of work in coming up with the design of a perch, which would hopefully position them to want to be close together. But what I didn't expect was that, I mean, it's haunting how... Uh, the, the, their connection is and how they were cheek to cheek and grooming and kissing and cuddling and then looking and um, being able to capture that, you know, again, has shown me what's possible. So that's where the budgie sort of started with. And um, so I've got the flocks of birds in the trees. I separated them by colour. So I had sort of flocks of green birds, which I hope people see what looks like leaves blowing off a tree because they're all the green bush budgies, the native birds. Um, and then I separated them and I had yellow birds in a tree that to me looked like autumn leaves and blue birds, which I called blue blossoms. And then um, I photographed a dead, uh, a burnt dead tree with um, these white budgies in it. I've called it charcoal and ash. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's actually one of my favourite works in the show. And then separate to that, I photographed a, a tree and I just threw all the colours in together and it's crazy. I call it, my working title was Confetti Tree because it was just like <laughs> so I was throwing up heaps of confetti into the air. But I've, but I've called that work Revival and I sort of hang them together and it's this idea for me of kind of, you know, the, the cycle of the bush and we have these bushfires and then out of that comes life and, and the trees come back and the birds come back. So, so there's lots of um, ideas and theories that have gone into it that... that um, has been beautiful to work with with budgies in particular well we're very much looking forward to attending the show i'm so excited mm -hmm. um thank you so much for being with me today leela thank you for having me i really appreciate it that's it for today's episode of talking australia with leela jeffries if you have questions or comments feel free to reach out write us an email podcast at australiangeographic.com or find us on instagram at australiangeographic and if you go to australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia, you'll find a special subscription offer. So don't wait. Go to australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. Also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Mm -hmm.